Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed from wherever you live with the Newcastle Library app. Put borrowing at your fingertips. Welcome to the Know Your Rights series presented by Newcastle Libraries Real and the Hunter Community Legal Centre and CDAH. The information provided in this session is for information purposes only. It must not be relied on as legal advice. You should seek individual legal advice about your own particular circumstances. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging, for they uphold the memories, the traditions, the living culture and hopes of Aboriginal Australia. We acknowledge that under the concrete and asphalt, this land is was and always will be traditional Aboriginal land. We also wish to acknowledge you if you are an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person. Hi, my name is Duhita Lewis and I'm the Community Legal Education Coordinator at the Hunter Community Legal Centre. The Hunter Community Legal Centre is a not-for-profit organisation which provides free legal advice and information to anyone who lives and works in the Hunter region. We are going to talk about tenancy issues that people with disability often face with specific focus on the laws of New South Wales in Australia. If you are from another state in Australia or another country, you should seek legal advice from a local solicitor in your region. I have with me today Nicole from Hunter Tenancy Advice and Advocacy Service and Kath from Community Disability Alliance Hunter. I'm Nicole Gerges from Hunter Tenants Advice Service. We're a government-funded service but a community organisation and we assist tenants in the Hunter region through information, advice and advocacy. Hi, I'm Kath from CEDA, Community Disability Alliance Hunter. We're an organisation run for and by people with disability and we work together offering each other peer support to live our best lives. Kat, we've had a little chat about numerous queries that you may have come across within your network relating to renting. Where do they seem to be stemming from? Tahita, there's quite a lot of barriers faced by people with disability who want to uh, find somewhere to rent, particularly in the private market. I guess, though, it sort of starts right back at the fact that there are very few accessible houses for people with disability. There are also very few affordable houses, not only for people with disability, but for many people um, who are living on low income in our society. And then unfortunately, there are also some, some perhaps discrimination and stigma that is still being faced by people with disability. So potentially a landlord might have some misgivings about a person with disability renting and so sometimes might neighbours. So a landlord might be concerned about some of those things. So I'm really glad to learn today some of the basics about how you do start when you want to become a tenant. Absolutely, Kat. And Nicole, can you tell us some key things to keep in mind, say when a person with disability is renting a home? Sure. Generally, when entering into a residential tenancy agreement, or what most of us would call a lease, You'll be provided with a copy of the agreement, a copy of a condition report, a a copy of a tenant information statement, and if you are in a strata complex, you should also be given a copy of the rules. When you're signing a tenancy agreement, you should be given time to read the, the agreement before you sign it, and also seek advice if you're unsure. The tenancy agreement is a legally binding agreement, 
and it sets out things like the names of the landlord and the tenant, the amount of rent and bond, when the fixed term starts and ends, and how many people can ordinarily live there. You will generally need to sign the agreement and pay the bond and rent in advance before being given the keys. Tenancy agreement also includes information about the rights and responsibilities of both the landlord and the tenant and can sometimes include additional terms, for example, an agreement about keeping pets. Nicole, you mentioned a condition report attached to the agreement. What is a condition report and what would my role be as a potential tenant? Kath, condition report's really important and uh, it's it sets out the state of the premises at the beginning of the tenancy. It's usually already filled in by the landlord or agent and then you've got seven days to complete your copy and return it to them. The document is used to compare the property at the end of the tenancy. It's important that you go over each room carefully and note any marks, wear, damage, dirt or vermin such as cockroaches. The landlord cannot ask you to sign the condition report before you are given the keys. It's also important to know that someone can help you fill in the condition report but be sure to return a copy within seven days. You can also take photos with a date stamp to show the condition of the property but the photographs will not replace the condition report. Sometimes tenants are concerned that the landlord will be upset if they write down issues with the property or that the landlord will think you are ungrateful for getting the property. It's important to remember that if you do not note an issue with the property at the beginning of the tenancy, the landlord might say that you are responsible for damage and make a claim from your bond at the end of the tenancy. Did you know that you can find law handbooks, tenants' rights manuals and other helpful legal information and links in the Newcastle Library's e-library? Look for business, law and consumer information on our website. Nicole, renting a property can often be an expensive affair with already higher rents in the private market. Can you tell us some of the additional costs that could be involved? Sure. When you've been accepted for a tenancy, the landlord can ask you to pay a holding deposit of one week's rent. Once you sign the agreement, this money is used as your first week rent. If the landlord changes their mind, they must return the deposit. But beware, if you change your mind, the landlord can keep the deposit. Other than that, a landlord can ask you to pay up to two weeks rent in advance and four weeks rent that has to be lodged as bond. The landlord cannot charge more than four weeks bond. It can be expensive and some people may be eligible for assistance, such as a bond loan, from the Department of Communities and Justice Housing or Department of Housing. If you're on benefits or a low income, it's worth checking out the website facts.newsouthwales.gov.au. Nicole, sometimes a person with a disability might um, need some additional support by perhaps uh, a family member or a support worker or a friend who might stay over to provide that support. And it might not always be the same person. You might have a team of support workers coming, so it might be you know, two or three. Would that cause any trouble for me? It's a good question, Kath. A landlord can attach additional terms, but they can't say things that differ to the law. For example, the law says a tenant has a right to peace, comfort and privacy without interruption by the landlord. So the landlord can't stop you from having friends or carers over. But we need to be careful. A visit is not the same thing as someone moving in. A tenancy agreement will usually state how many people can ordinarily live in the premises. If you do have overnight carers, it's a good idea to ensure that you're not exceeding the maximum number of people who can ordinarily live in the premises. Nicole, some people who will be renting um, have assistance animals or guide dogs. 
how does that work with the lease? In New South Wales, we, we need an additional term that agrees if a tenant can have a pet at the premises. Uh, however, if you have an animal that is credited as an assistance animal, this should be treated differently to a pet. If a landlord tries to refuse to allow an assistance animal, seek legal advice, and that could be through hunter tenants or the community legal centre. Can the landlord just show up to check or inspect something like that? The landlord can conduct periodic inspections. These can occur up to four times a year and the tenant must be given seven days notice in writing. There are some other set reasons with notice periods for access by the landlord or agent. A landlord should not turn up without notice. If a landlord or agent did come to the property without notice, a tenant has a right to say no to them accessing the property unless there was an urgent repair issue. The periodic inspection will usually be to ensure that the premises are in a good state of repair and cleanliness. The tenant has a responsibility to maintain the premises in a reasonable state. The landlord can't require you to have the carpets professionally cleaned periodically. And sometimes we hear of tenants being accused of not being tidy enough because they might have folding. So not putting your clothes away is not generally a breach of the agreement. However, if there was a high level of clutter that impeded access, encouraged vermin or blocked ventilation, this might reach the level of breach of agreement. If you think that you might have some issues around clutter, it may be that you seek some assistance from a support service. And another important thing during an inspection, while you might tell the landlord or the agent of a need for a repair, We recommend that you confirm this in writing as well. CDAH would love to hear from you if you want to connect with other people with disability. You can email us at info at cdah.org.au and like us on our Facebook page. Nicole, we do find a lot of clients at the Hunter Community Legal Centre having to make alterations to their property. And I can see that a person with disability may need some significant alterations to their property. How does a person with disability get those alterations done? You can't make alterations to the property without the written consent of the landlord. The landlord cannot unreasonably refuse minor alterations, but that's things like installing a child safety gate or wireless security devices. Major alterations can be more difficult to deal with. A landlord can refuse major alterations, and that would be things like work that involves structural changes. Examples might include ramps, doorway modifications and additions of grab rails through tiled walls. You can certainly request consent to make major alterations and we recommend providing as much detail as possible about what work is required, that the work will be carried out by qualified tradespeople and that the landlord will not be liable to cover the cost. You will also need a plan about what happens to the work that is carried out when you move out of the premises. A tenant can be liable to repair any damage that occurs. It's a good idea to get advice as to whether what you're asking for is minor in nature or major and the best way of going about how to ask your landlord for consent. But Nicole, what if it's not an alteration but just something maybe that is broken or not working like the air conditioner or some cooking facilities? Who would need to do those kind of repairs? The landlord has an obligation to both provide the premises in a reasonable condition and fit for habitation and to repair and maintain the premises in reasonable condition. We advise confirming the need for repairs in writing and give a time frame for a response. Urgent repairs like heating and cooling, hot water, cooking facilities should be carried out without delay. It is best to seek advice if the landlord will not carry out repairs. 
Nicole, can the landlord charge me more rent if I make some minor alterations or repairs? Can the landlord use other reasons to charge a higher rent? It's important to know that the landlord can generally only increase the rent once your fixed term lease has expired. Even then, they need to give you 60 days notice in writing. There's no limit to the amount a landlord can increase the rent in New South Wales. If the proposed increase is too much, we suggest try to negotiate. If you can't reach an agreement and you can demonstrate that similar premises rent for less, you could make an application to the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal. A landlord can't just increase the rent because you've asked for something to be done. Talking about rent, if you have trouble and fall behind in rent, we recommend that you try and resolve that issue. Ask for a copy of your rental ledger in writing. The rental ledger is a record of all your rental payments. Check that no payments have been missed or allocated to other charges. If you can show you're not in arrears, confirm this with evidence, such as a bank deposit or Centrelink statement. If you find you are behind in your rent, or what the landlord or agent would call rent arrears, it's a good idea to talk to a financial counsellor who can help you to come up with an affordable payment plan. If you're in the Hunter or Newcastle and need legal advice, please call the Hunter Community Legal Centre on 02 404 It's important to remember that if a landlord or a tenant want to end a tenancy, they're required to give a valid notice of termination in writing. The law sets out what is required for a notice to be enforceable and you can find this information in your tenancy agreement or on the tenants.org.au website. Even if a landlord has given you a notice of termination, a landlord cannot get a sheriff to evict a tenant without an order of a court or tribunal. If you do have a notice of termination or are threatened with eviction, seek advice from the Tenants Advice Service or a community legal centre or fair trading. So Nicole, with some of these barriers that people with disability face when they're uh, wanting to rent, we often hear of people who are taking more sort of informal options, if you like. So I have a friend, uh, she lives in a granny flat. Um, She was told that she could just move in, live week to week, pay cash, and that they didn't need a formal agreement. Does this mean that that person wouldn't have any rights? It's a really good question. If you have an arrangement where you pay money for a property and are not sharing the space with the owner of the property, you are likely a tenant and have the same legal rights and responsibilities as if you had a written tenancy agreement. If you pay rent in cash, it's recommended that you get a receipt every time. It is safer to pay by bank or centre pay to avoid disputes. Nicole, we also find many of our clients with disability who may also be students trying to find affordable housing and end up finding cheap rooms to rent in a share house. How do they then assert their rights with different kinds of agreements? Share housing can be a really economical way to rent, but can be confusing. If you move into a share house and there is a head tenant, you will only have tenancy rights if you sign an agreement with that head tenant and the landlord agreed that they could sublet to you. If you do not have a written agreement, you may have very few rights and it can be difficult to get repairs done, be given notice for access to your room and get your deposit or bond back at the end. If the owner of the property lives there and reserves the right to enter your room, you will most likely be considered a boarder or lodger. 
There are some laws relating to borders, but you will need to seek advice about your specific situation. If you co-sign a tenancy agreement, be aware that you are jointly and severally liable for the tenancy. Severally is just a legal term for separately. So this means that if one or other co-tenants causes damage or does not pay their share of rent or bills, you could still be liable for the lot. Information about share housing is available at the tenants.org.au website and also sharehousing.org website. Thank you for that vital information, Nicole. And if you need further information or advice, you can always call Hunter Tenancy Advice and Advocacy Service for tenancy advice. If you need some legal advice, you can always call the Hunter Community Legal Center. If you need peer support, you can always contact Community Disability Alliance Hunter. Thank you, Nicole. And thank you, Kat, for an engaging conversation. And thank you for listening. Access to justice and knowing your rights is what really matters to us. If it matters to you too, please share the Know Your Rights series on Newcastle Library's Real with your friends and rate us and review us on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Know Your Rights series presented by Newcastle Library's Real, the Hunter Community Legal Centre and CDAH. We hope this has raised your awareness. If you've got a topic you'd like us to cover, you can email us at admin at hunterclc.com.au. This has been a Newcastle Library's Real Production.